Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, in-person work may look the same as it used to, but in many ways, things feel very different. How companies and employees, especially working moms, can navigate the challenges of returning to normal. Also this morning, a return to the normal routine means the return of late nights at the office and business trips out of town. Fortunately, the same kind of technology that helped keep us connected at work during the pandemic can help keep us connected with family after it. In our Throwback Thursday segment this morning, our Facebook, Twitter, and the like undermining our democracy, a candid conversation with the author of Anti-Social Media. And members of the cast will review the final show of the season at the Fort Finley Playhouse, The Adams Family. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, April 28th, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today, it is National Kiss Your Mate Day. Isn't that sweet? It is National Superhero Day, Workers Memorial Day, in honor of those who have uh, lost their lives on the job. And uh, generally, generally we think of first responders who have very dangerous jobs. There are all kinds of uh, workers in, in very dangerous jobs that put their lives on the line Uh, to support their family every single day. So Workers Memorial Day today. It is Great Poetry Reading Day, National Blueberry Pie Day, National Cubicle Day, National Teach Children to Save Day. It is Clean Comedy Day. Take Our Daughters and Sons to Work Day today. You remember when that was a big, big thing? And I don't know that it is so much anymore. But maybe it's just because uh, my kids are are older now. I don't pay attention to those things. Is it still a big deal? Take our daughters and sons to work day. International Pay It Forward Day. And today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. So uh, observances today and uh, reasons to uh, celebrate so on. Uh, So this was the big story yesterday. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci said that the U.S. is now in a transition phase of the pandemic, that we are past the pandemic stage and moving into the endemic stage. Uh, And then, well, he said that a couple of days ago and then yesterday uh, tried to walk that back a bit, uh, saying that his comments uh, on Tuesday that... uh, that we were moving out of the pandemic phase. He said that on on, uh, NewsHour, on PBS, in an interview. He then yesterday said on CNN that his comments were misinterpreted by many, that the pandemic was over, which he says it is not. He added that the transition phase hopefully means society gets to more of a point of control where there's some form of normality without a total disruption of life. I think for a lot of us, we are there. We are already there. But uh, kind of interesting, because I, I saw the, the headlines uh, earlier this week, and yeah, it was uh, framed as it... Now, I didn't see the interview, and honestly, I didn't even see clips of the interview. I just saw the reporting about the interview on the uh, PBS NewsHour, uh, where uh, Dr. Fauci said we were out of the pandemic phase 
And uh, I thought, wow, that's pretty a bold statement. And then, of course, yesterday he tried to walk it back. But in any event, that's, I guess, where we are. You know, there is one other thing, though, um, that we are concerned about. It's not the coronavirus. It's not COVID-19. It's the uh, bird flu. And this is not we're not so uh, we're not so concerned about it for us. The uh, but this avian flu is uh, causing a, a big problem, uh, birds and poultry and so on. And now the Centers for Disease Control uh, is saying your backyard bird feeders might be doing your feathered friends more harm than good. As of last week, the CDC had recorded more than 30 million cases of the avian flu, the bird flu, in aquatic birds, commercial poultry, and backyard flocks across at least 33 states. Out of an abundance of caution, experts are recommending people stop using outside bird feeders and put away their bird baths to help stop the spread of the deadly pathogen HPA1 and H5N1. So, bird flu. Worry about that now. And uh, unfortunately, that's just with with birds. It's not uh, it's not all of us, but uh, nonetheless, put away those bird feeders, dry out those bird baths. Don't want to encourage just kind of like what we did during the pandemic. We want to make sure those birds stay six feet apart. <laughs> the thing. Uh, a couple of other uh, interesting items among the first things you need to know to get your Thursday morning started, as you are. Getting ready to pour your morning cereal, uh, pour your bowl, uh, morning bowl of cereal. Think about this. Maybe cereal topped with orange juice instead of milk. Tropicana wants you to rethink the old adage of putting milk on your cereal. The company is releasing a its own cereal next week, Tropicana, that they say this cereal is meant to be eaten with orange juice. Instead of milk on their Instagram page, they posted a picture of the Tropicana Crunch Honey Almond Cereal and call it the first cereal made for orange juice instead of milk. Company is also running a giveaway for the new cereal for followers of its Instagram page. What do you think? I saw that story and I thought, ew, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. Cereal milk goes with cereal and nothing else. It's just wrong. You know, if this was April 1st, if this was the first of the month, I would have immediately called it as an April Fool's joke. But apparently it's uh, real. And I'm going to put out a cereal designed to be topped with orange juice. Would you buy it? I don't know is the great breakfast controversy of 2022. Uh, it would uh, it would give you some energy, though, I think. You know, all of that sweetness uh, get you going. And you need it for this. Uh, apparently, members of a student organization at Georgia Tech University uh, are attempting a to set a new Guinness World Record by creating and taking on a hopscotch course Spanning 4.2 miles. (laughs) That is a big hopscotch course. 4.2 miles. 
The uh, students drew up plans for the course, which traversed the entire campus of Georgia Tech and uh, even created stamps that would allow them to quickly and efficiently apply chalky squares to the sidewalk surfaces to lay out the course. The uh, group says they have been in contact with the Guinness folks and they have taken measures to ensure that their record attempt would abide by all of the appropriate rules. They hope to hear back about whether their attempt was successful within a few weeks. So apparently they've already done this. And it says here, a 4.2-mile hopscotch course at uh, students at Georgia Tech, <laughs> which tells me that uh, at Georgia Tech, uh, apparently students have too much free time on their hands. They maybe need more challenging courses. I'm not sure if they have time to <laughs> lay out a 4.2-mile hopscotch course. Uh, then there's just too much free time on their hands. Although, I suppose they could be doing worse if they have that much time on their hands. I, or maybe it was for a class. I don't know. Anyway, it just says 4.2-mile hopscotch course. And uh, finally, among the first things that you need to know this morning, here's something that will you can talk about uh, around the water cooler today and discuss with your friends. This is one of those conversation starters. To maintain a happy relationship, the secret to maintaining a happy relationship with your significant other, and we mentioned earlier, it's National Kiss Your Mate Day, to maintain a happy relationship with your significant other, the key is sharing and swapping chores. Researchers at the University of Utah analyzed the results of a bunch of surveys and found that couples who shared the same tasks reported higher levels of relationship satisfaction. Professor Daniel Carlson, the leader of the study, says the number of equally shared tasks or chores, household chores, matters a great deal for both men's and women's relationship quality. Indeed, among recent cohorts, there is evidence to suggest that it matters as much, if not more, than each partner's overall proportion of the housework. So sharing chores means as much, if not more, than each partner each partner's overall proportion of the housework, which suggests that you should switch off household responsibilities rather than each partner sticking to their assigned chores. It goes on to say, for both men and women, the number of equally shared tasks is associated with a greater likelihood of feeling their relationship is fair, feeling satisfied with their own housework arrangement, and feeling satisfied with the relationship overall. And the theory is that this is because not all chores are created equally. So if you want to... Maintain a good relationship, good solid relationship with your spouse or significant other. Split up the chores and share them between the two of you. So take that for what it's worth. That is, according to this research out of the University of Utah, the secret to a happy relationship. Oh, and kiss your mate today. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your... Thursday morning started. WFIM News, I'm John Marshall. Your WTOL 11 weather, mostly sunny today with a high 58, partly cloudy tonight with a low 39.
Hancock County is receiving around $700,000 from the state to complete two projects as part of the Ohio Brownfields Remediation Program. Commissioner Mike Peppel says one of the projects involves a property just north of the Blanchard River in Findlay, where the next benching project will occur. We're going to have to remediate that project using our flood mitigation money. But if we can use the state money to remediate this, this site, then we can use that money for our flood mitigation somewhere else because we still have many projects going on. He adds that the county is also getting money for an assessment project on a property at the northeast corner of Interstate 75 and County Road 99. More of the conversation on our website. The President and First Lady are paying tribute to the 2022 National Teacher of the Year who teaches in Ohio. Kurt Russell is a veteran high school history teacher in Oberlin. All state teachers of the year were invited to attend the White House ceremony. Steps are being taken to force the Ohio Redistricting Commission to fulfill its duty of drawing constitutional legislative district maps before a May deadline. A new lawsuit has been filed asking for the Ohio Supreme Court to order the Ohio Redistricting Commission to meet and start making new legislative maps by this Friday. The court issued a May 6th deadline for new maps to be drawn after striking down four sets of maps. The lawsuit also asks for the independent map makers to be rehired after not being able to finish their work last time. I'm Andrew Kinsey. Landmarks across the Buckeye State, including the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, are lit up in purple this week to recognize National Crime Victims Week. Every April since 1981, National Crime Victims Rights Week is held to help survivors of crime by raising awareness about protections and services. A Cincinnati Reds fan is going viral for a video showing him catching a foul ball while feeding his baby during a recent game. The team posted video of the catch on social media showing fan Jacob Kingsley catching a foul ball on a bounce while giving a bottle to his 11-month-old son, Shepard. I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. Well, as people return to their workplaces in greater numbers, you might notice something. Things may look the same as you remember, but they certainly feel different. Joining us this morning with some return to the office tips for employees and especially for working moms is the Associate Professor of Organization Theory and Management at Pepperdine Business School, Dr. Dana Sumter. What are some of the challenges that employees, especially, again, those working moms, are facing as they get back to that pre-pandemic way of doing things? Yeah, thank you. Unfortunately, there's really some challenges out there still, right? Experienced by working moms and other kinds of caregivers as well, I would say. You know, the first challenge I would note is scheduling. That, you know, returning to the office means creating new routines. Who does what around the house? Who's going to pick up or drop off the kids? And when you're talking about two partners, this might mean two new schedules to coordinate. And so any change to a job will actually impact the whole household. There's also the challenge of uncertainty. So there's continued uncertainty around childcare and schooling. You know, am I going to get that call from my kid's school that I've got to go pick them up because they've got a runny nose, can't come back for at least a few days and a negative COVID test. So all this means a lot of disruption, right? This will disrupt my plans for work. And frankly, this is one of the many reasons why COVID continues to have an outsized impact on women and working moms. 
it is uh, kind of ironic that some of those challenges are the same as they were before the pandemic. And when things went remote, I know a lot of moms especially thought, hey, we maybe have finally found the solution here. But now with employers calling them back to the office, they may feel that they are back where they started. So kind of brings up a couple of questions. Number one, do you have any tips for workers to help make this transition back more seamless? And number two, how can companies and employers help facilitate this re-entry into the workforce? You know, I appreciate that framing, Chris, because I agree. It's like it's both sides, right? Both sides have accountability here. So to take the employee's perspective first, I think the first suggestion would be to be really clear about your availability. You know, one of the biggest changes we've experienced while working remotely is just being more available, if not constantly available. Mm -hmm. And so in my research on working mothers during COVID, a lot of them talked about shifting their work hours to different times and engaging in overwork, right? They would wake up really early before the kids were up just to get a few precious minutes of uninterrupted work time. So, you know, now when returning to the office, this is the time to be really proactive and intentional around what you want your work hours to be. And that means letting others know when you need to be off the clock. We need those boundaries to help prevent burnout and take care of ourselves. Um, Second suggestion for employees is, you know, don't forget, it can be really joyful to be back with people. (laughs) So kind of reclaim that joy of working in person, right? Like take that opportunity to reconnect. I myself experienced that recently. You know, I stepped back into the classroom with students, live human beings, uh, for the first time in a couple of years. And I tell you, feeling that energy of being with the students again, I was like, oh my gosh, I almost forgot how great this was. Yeah. So there are benefits to going back. Um, for your career too, right? Relationship building, better access to top clients and projects, FaceTime, innovation, you know, a lot of the stuff you can't do over Zoom. So, you know, you're not only investing in your well-being, but also in your career networking opportunities when you really foster those reconnections. Um, so let's shift to employers though, right? Companies, we don't want to let them off the hook. They've got to help out too. So I would first say to companies, you know, you need to keep your finger on the pulse of how your employee's reentry is going. This is the time to listen, you know, pay attention to how your folks are doing. Have those scheduled one-on-ones, conduct some surveys, seek feedback and act on it. These are ways that managers and leaders can anticipate where there might be some problems and also understand how they can best support their employees. Um, And to that point, you know, this is the time for employers to consider employees' holistic needs. This means paying attention to more than just what's going on at work. Um, You know, we've all had this great reckoning with what's really important to us, right? And a lot of employees are not willing to put up with bosses who just ignore their family lives or their Mm well-being. So companies can demonstrate that they care about employees holistically by having the right support policies, providing structured opportunities to connect, and also considering right-sizing performance expectations for when employees need a little bit more flexibility. Now, it is worth pointing out that we have seen over the past six months or so a surge in women re-entering the workforce as child care options uh, reopen, schools go back to in-person learning, and more children become vaccinated. But that still not may not be the solution for every family. It's probably not fair for employers and coworkers to assume that just because Jane can come back to the office, no problem, that Jill can too. It's not always the case. So with that in mind, are there resources that employees can seek out to help navigate uh, this return to the office? 
Yeah. You bring up a really good point, Chris, that like everyone is kind of in different situations. Yeah. You know, we are all still out at sea and everyone's on different boats. Some are on yachts, some are hanging on to a raft, you know, so we've got to take that in mind. We don't necessarily understand the challenges experienced by others unless we really take that time to listen and get a sense for, for walking in their shoes. So it's really important these days. So with resources, I think, first of all, during any change, you know, it's really important to keep an eye on our mental health. Uh, NAMI.org, N-A-M-I.org is a great resource for information or talk to your healthcare provider if there are any issues. Um, and second, you know, obviously, full disclosure, very biased here, but consider a higher degree, right? That's a great way to jumpstart or revitalize a career or steer it in a new direction. Um, getting an MBA, master's in management and leadership or some other specialty degree, those are great avenues towards those goals. And for Pepperdine's Graziadio Business School, um, bschool.pepperdine.edu is the place to go. That's also where you can find faculty profiles and some of the results of cutting-edge research that I and my colleagues are doing on managing the return to work and on the future of work. Again, Dr. Dana Sumter is Associate Professor of Organization Theory and Management at Pepperdine Business School. Dr. Sumter, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Well, as the world returns to normal and parents are now faced with heading back to the office, that often means the return of working late nights and traveling for business trips that can cause them to miss moments at home with their little ones. Fortunately, the same kind of technology that helped us uh, keep connected at work during the pandemic can help us keep connected with family after it. Uh, Dr. Michelle Borba is an educational psychologist, Today Show contributor, and best-selling author of Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. And Dr. Borba, how have kids and parents been impacted as we have returned to a more normal, quote-unquote, normal routine post-pandemic? I love that quote-unquote normal, because yeah. you never know, do you? But I think the thing is, we, we're now challenged with a new problem, and that is parents realize that they've been around their kids, and kids have been around the parents for quite a while. The expectation and the family structure changed. Now, all of a sudden, the door's opened, families are traveling again, parents are traveling again, office hours are switched, and the number one thing is that parents are concerned about how do I stay engaged with my child? It's hard to keep kids engaged, and that's what we need to do. Yeah, and and it's such a good point that, yeah, we're all excited about a return to normalcy, to pre-pandemic routines and so on, but that normal has not always meant healthy for families. So now, as I mentioned, you say we need to leverage some of this same technology to help address that problem. How? Well, first of all, that's when uh, Amazon Glow could come in as a new digital device. It's very unique. It's built from the ground up with kids in mind so that it's been checked with child development experts every step along the way for age appropriateness. But the goal is to let kids be kids while at the same time inviting grown-ups into their world so the child feels like even though that person, that loved one may be remote, they're still sitting next to them side by side. That's the whole goal we're looking for is strengthening our families and finding meaningful, fun ways to keep our kids engaged. So kind of the mirror image of the way technology is being used during the pandemic. What are the uh, the mental health and, and educational benefits that children can get from 
technology at an age-appropriate level? Well, number one, hands down, is the healthy family connection of knowing dad cares, mom cares, or grandma's involved in my life. We do know that because there's only been one real long-term study of which children fared better during COVID. 14,000 middle school and high school kids, and we looked at who was doing the best, had nothing to do with their GPA or their zip code. It was the strength of the relationship with their family. So... That in mind, the second thing we can do is we do know that rituals and routines really do help, particularly in uncertain times, right? And that's what we've been through over the last two years. But if we can add a little predictability that regardless of where dad is or regardless of where mom is, at 6 o'clock she or he will call in and that's when you're going to read your book together or review your day. You're going to continue those rituals and routines in the family. It'll help. That's the first thing to strengthen the relationship. But there's other things, not just reading the book, play. The secret to really help kids stay engaged and talk to you longer as a parent is get them playing and doing something. They're more likely to open up. So what happens is that as you are talking to your child on Amazon Glow, he can play chess or checkers or goldfish or brand new, all different kinds of games with you at the same time. You can also draw. There's digital palettes that are pens and pencils that you can be creative. The child can let his creative juices flow. You can draw along with him, but maybe he's going to draw the best parts of his day. You find what works for your child and then stick to that as a routine. That's going to be the thing that the child looks forward to doing and creates the lifelong memory. I was going to ask you about that as well, uh, whether these potential benefits extend to the casual recreational use of technology among kids as well, because that's long been a concern heightened over the past couple of years about kids and their screen time, uh, things like playing games and such using technology. Yeah, what I and me too, as the child expert, I'm really concerned about that because we're seeing addictions. What is different is that the child is engaged with you. So they're actually doing healthy, proactive things with you together. That's the first thing. The second thing we're looking at is kids have been looking long-term and just at screens and looking down, not up. So we're, many teens are telling me that they're losing just the ability to read each other's faces. What Amazon Glow has is a far bigger screen, so you're able to look at a human face, and the best toy there is for a young kid is a human face. Hmm. You can actually start practicing eye contact and smiling and how was your day. Many of our kids are saying they're a little more socially anxious going back to school and how they haven't been practicing or exercising their social skills. You can do that deliberately just a little more intentionally, making it fun, but that's another idea. You can also get grandma involved. Just ask them, how are you doing with your day? And remember, always look at the color of the talker's eyes. What will actually help is that you're practicing social skills with Mm. your kids that they're going to be using with their friends. Do you have uh, any other just general advice for families who are trying to uh, navigate this, uh, again, more of a return to normalcy, as it were, and trying to maintain healthy relationships and strong relationships uh, with their kids? Well, here's a a once-in-a-lifetime moment to really sit and think, what's worked? What really draws my child's attention? Mm -hmm. When is he more likely to be engaged? What are we doing? Sometimes we overlook the simple, ordinary things that can be really magical in our kids' lives. And if we know, oh, my gosh, it's when we play Go Fish, add that to the day. 
also sticking to the routines that just sounds so simplistic, but it is clearly one of the best ways to reduce anxiety and have kids look forward to, oh, yeah, we're going to do that ritual again tonight. We're all going to talk about what the best part of my day was. Well, you can still continue that ritual regardless of where you are. You're creating just meaningful moments where you're feeling like the child feels like you're practically there kind of magic. And as a result, you're instilling what really matters most during now and forever long, strong families that are healthy together. Again, Dr. Michelle Borba is an educational psychologist, author of the bestseller Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine. Where do we get uh, more information? Oh, thank you for that. You can go to amazon.com slash glow. It'll give you lots and lots of tips that you can use and find what works for your child. What's the best way to use this device to just engage your child and create lifelong fun memories? Dr. Borba, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Best to you. And now our Throwback Thursday segment this morning. I love it when uh, topics that we talk about in the past suddenly become relevant again. And this is a perfect example of that. The announced sale of Twitter to Elon Musk and some of the things he said he wants to do with the platform have raised questions about the future of social media in general and its role in facilitating public discourse in the 21st century. And it is not a new conversation. For many years, experts have sounded warnings about the proliferation of online hate and how it continues to blur the lines of violence and virtual reality and politics, which leads to the question raised in this book. Can social media and democracy coexist? There's no question that social media is influencing our democracy and not always for the better. And back in November of 2018, we spoke with University of Virginia professor Siva Vadianathan about his book, Anti-Social Media, How Facebook Disconnects Us and Undermines Democracy, in which he argues that social media is engineered in such a way that it actually poses a threat to the American way of life. It is today's Throwback Thursday. In the book, you actually make a, an interesting observation that, that Facebook is great for motivation, not so great for deliberation, is kind of the way you put it. Yeah, look, if you want to collect a bunch of like-minded people and convince them to take action, whether that action is to sign a petition, to donate $20 to a cause, or to fill a town square in protest of something, Facebook is an incredible tool for that, right? Because it sorts through people based on their location, their interest, their affiliation, their education level, their gender, their race. There's so many ways that you can target a message uh, through Facebook. You know, it's, it's, it's the same reason Facebook is such a, an effective advertising platform. Uh, but at the same time, what it doesn't offer us is something that is even more important in a democratic republic. The sort of space and tools to deliberate respectfully and honestly about challenges facing us. We can't even agree on the terms of problems. These days, the whole world is on fire, and we can't even have a sober conversation about how to proceed. But you can't put all of that uh, on Facebook, really. I mean, this is a problem that we had long before the advent of social media. Now, Facebook isn't the only reason for this. These forces of intellectual distraction and disruption have been there seething beneath the surface for many decades, but Facebook gives them power, the very power that it has 
to organize people uh, means that those groups can have a louder voice than they probably deserve, and they can really mess with our ability to think collectively. So in other words, this platform that allows everyone to have a voice really allows no one to have a voice because now there's too much discussion, too much debate, too much noise, really. Yeah, and in fact, it's hurting everybody's democracy. It's helping, hurting democracy around the world. Uh, you know, it creates habits of mind, collective habits of mind that are very unhealthy in a democracy. But then, to be fair, you also have to look at the Arab Spring, for example, which is a pro-democracy movement in the Middle East. Now, granted, the end result was very much a mixed bag, and in many cases, the end result was not what those protesters had in mind, but it was a power-of-the-people movement in dictatorial regimes that started on social media. So is this a case where the potential is there, but we, by and large, just haven't been able to capitalize on it? Zuckerberg's original idea that the more we connected with each other, the better we would think of each other, the more we would understand each other. You know, all you have to do is sit through one big Thanksgiving dinner with that one difficult uncle to know that that's not going to happen. That's not how human beings behave. Facebook was created for a better species than ourselves, right? It was created for a, a species in which no one was disrespectful and no one was drunk and no one was difficult and no one was bigoted. I don't know who he thought was going to use Facebook, but once we get to 1 billion people, let alone 2.2 billion people, there are going to be a lot of nasty people in Facebook. And not just that, most of us who aren't so nasty most of the time tend to get nastier when we're using Facebook. You know, and that's, you know, the world has enough of that thing. We need the sorts of forums that let us dig deeper and recognize mutual humanity and mutual respect. And, you know, for that, we need institutions. We need churches and we need schools and libraries and universities, public figures who can calmly deliberate about our problems. Okay, so that leaves us with the question of where are we now? Certainly you can't put the genie back in the bottle now, right? So what do we do with Facebook moving forward? Well, look, we're not getting rid of Facebook. And even if a bunch of us, a couple million of us quit Facebook, it wouldn't change Facebook and its larger effects on the culture in the world. So that's kind of futile. We can continue to criticize it, raise issues, write books about it. That's nice. Read books about it. That's nice. But more than that, I think we just need to train ourselves to put it in its proper place, to use Facebook for the puppy photos and the baby goat videos and the news of our our cousin's kid graduating from high school, the good stuff, the reasons that we went on Facebook in the first place, uh, and, and, and try to exercise our politics elsewhere. And toward that end, we really have to actively reinvest in those institutions that make us smarter, deeper, and kinder to each other. And we really have, we've let those institutions uh, erode and, and, and fall apart over the last couple of decades. We've taken them for granted as we've moved so much of our attention and our money to internet platforms that don't offer us the really good things about life. From November of 2018, our conversation with University of Virginia professor Siva Vadianathan about his book, Anti-Social Media, How Facebook Disconnects Us and Undermines Democracy. It is our Throwback Thursday segment this morning. You can learn more about the book at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Here's another case of mistaken identity, but you can never be too careful. 
The bomb squad and emergency services unit was uh, called to an MTA bus depot in New Springville, New York, late Monday night after a suspicious object was found planted on a bus. Uh, They were really worried. I mean, it had uh, canisters containing some sort of unknown liquid and wires going in and out, and it was uh, all connected to a clock of uh, some kind, some weird contraption. Turned out it wasn't a bomb at all. A source says the investigation concluded the object was a science project that a child had left behind on the bus. (laughs) Just a school science project. I don't know. Wires and a liquid and a clock. What kind of science project was it? I'm I'm curious. It doesn't say. But uh, fortunately, it turned out to be uh, harmless. I don't know if they uh, discovered what, you know, who it was, what child left it, and if they got it back to him and <laughs> what, what grade he got on his science project. But there you go. <clears throat> All's well that ends well. A uh, story from across the pond, a Scottish man has been sentenced to 150 hours of public service work, and he has been placed under supervision for 12 months after bringing a major highway in Perth, Scotland, to a standstill by staggering drunkenly across the... Yo- Let's try that again. By staggering drunkenly across the road to yell at a flock of sheep. Well, it was a slow day. (laughs) Drunkenly staggered across the road to yell at a flock of sheep. Uh, Thomas Degnan, age 42, uh, also relieved himself in public. Um, The uh, Perth on the uh, side of a car (laughs) on the highway. Because when you got to go, you got to go. The... uh, uh, Perth Sheriff was told that uh, it, the magistrate was told uh, that uh, Mr. Degnan was so drunk that he had no recollection of the incident or why he decided to target a field full of sheep. <laughs> when asked about his bizarre behavior, the suspect answered, quote, I don't remember, unquote. <laughs> the... Uh, Complaint uh, charges that Mr. Degnan forced vehicles to take evasive action to avoid hitting him whilst he was topless as he was shouting at the sheep at the sheep. So he was he was topless. He was half naked uh, as well. Uh, The suspect admitted to a second charge of uh, public urination and a third charge of uh, urinating in circumstances likely to cause annoyance to others which apparently is a crime in Scotland as well in and of itself. Uh, his lawyer claimed he was on medication for a foot injury, which combined with the alcohol was not a good mix. <laughs> in retrospect, probably not a good idea to go drinking after you've taken your meds. <laughs> what did those sheep ever do to you? <clears throat> <laughs> Must have been quite a sight. Can you imagine being late for work and trying to explain that one to your boss? I swear, boss, I would have been here on time, but traffic was tied up by some drunk guy yelling at a field full of sheep. <laughs> oh, goodness. Back on this side of the pond in other broken news. 
Residents of Charleston, Indiana can rest easy tonight as the city's most wanted chicken is finally in custody after several days on the run. That's right. The most wanted chicken in town has been captured. (laughs) Slow news day in Charleston, Indiana. The city had posted a Charleston's most wanted poster on social media looking for info about the suspect nicknamed Chicken Sue. She had been se- she had been seen in multiple locations in town, including a fast food joint uh, parking lot and a local car wash. But she continued evading authorities until Tuesday. Chicken running around loose. Now the city says that Chicken Sue is being held with local animal services uh, to see if her owner comes forward before being rehomed. <laughs> All righty then. <clears throat> This is crazy. Uh, in Detroit, uh, a man whose name is not given in this report, man is recovering. Detroit man is recovering after being shot by a pedestrian that he almost hit with his car. Reports say the driver uh, nearly missed a pedestrian, stopped, rolled down his window to try to apologize, and one pulled out a gun, gun and shot him. Fortunately, he was not seriously injured. Detroit police say the driver has non-life-threatening injury injuries. They are looking for two persons of interest in the case. Wow. That is rough right there. That's Detroit's a rough town. And uh, speaking of being shot, how about this story? A Kentucky woman who was who took a bullet to the face is a stray bullet uh, she was she was just sitting in her home, uh, and wouldn't you know it, she discovered that was not her biggest problem. What is that you say? Peggy Brentley, or Peggy Bentley, rather, was uh, babysitting on Saturday night when a stray bullet shattered a window and went through her cheek, nicked her cheek, while she was sitting in the home. Um, while getting tests before they patched her up, doctors discovered that Ms. Bentley had a brain tumor. The tumor was retracted. The bullet uh, injury has not yet been treated, but they obviously focused on the brain tumor. That is the bigger problem there. A man identified as Joshua Owens has been arrested and faces assault charges, but how about that? You think you get shot, but maybe could have been the best thing that happened to her. If not, maybe they don't even find the brain tumor. Crazy as that. Story with a happy ending, sort of, I guess. It's a tough way to find out, though. There you go. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN says thank you for listening. And remember, you can listen around the clock on computer, smartphone, or tablet. Start your day with Chris Oaks and good mornings. And stay with us all day long. You also get CBS Sports Radio plus all of our locally originated sports programming. Listen live whenever you like at 1330 WFIN, 95.5 FM, and at WFIN.com, where you can also grab our free mobile apps for iOS or Android. Thank you.
And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We were talking earlier about a return to normal at work. More and more uh, companies are bringing their workers back to the office, and sometimes that transition can be uh, a little tough. I mean, if we thought we were just going to pick up where we left off like nothing ever happened... Uh, think again. And here's another example of that. Uh, business travel is uh, starting to return. And it's long been the case that a lot of people try to do more than just work when they travel for work. A poll of 2,000 U.S. adults. This was commissioned by VisitAnaheim.com, the uh, Anaheim Convention and Tourism Bureau. But uh, but I, I thought the results were interesting. 2,000 U.S. adults asked about how people combine business with leisure. They call it bleisure travel. Business and leisure merged as one. 65% of those in the poll said that they have taken a bleisure trip where they either arrived at their destination early, uh, you know, to have a, a few days of leisure time, or extended their stay after finishing taking care of whatever business they had to take care of. 65% said that they've done that. 57% admit to specifically looking to take work trips in places they know that other the, the rest of their family would enjoy traveling to. <laughs> they specifically look to go to places for work that they can take their family along and they would enjoy. Uh, leisure on a work trip is so important that 44%, 44% of these travelers say that they have actually turned down the opportunity to take a work trip because they wouldn't have had time for leisure activities while they are there. So if I can't spend a little time to myself, then I don't want to go. No, thank you. 44%, 70% said the best part of traveling for work is seeing different places. That's what they look forward to the most. 57% said the best part is getting away from the office. (laughs) That may tell you something. But uh, anyway, in addition of those who expect to take trips post-pandemic, which, by the way, is 86% of people expect that uh, work travel trips are going to come back post-pandemic. 35% of those say that they will be taking more business trips than they did before the pandemic. And 18% said they expect to take fewer. Uh, Jay Burris, the president and CEO of Visit Anaheim, who commissioned the poll, says finding a hybrid solution to different challenges has become more common. Uh, First, it was... You know, working out of the office, hybrid uh, work out of the office and, and working at home. Well, in this case, I'm talking about hybrid solutions to leisure travel, business and leisure travel. And uh, he said that's, that uh, search for a hybrid solution or a better work-life balance is driving the rising trend of leisure travel. And now more than ever before, he says, the boundaries between work and play are blurred, making it an opportunistic time for travelers to reinvent the traditional business trip. And I would imagine, and I think that it's safe to say, based on the fact that it was the Visit Anaheim Tourism Council or Tourism Board that 
sponsored this poll. It also is an opportunistic time for cities and destination locations to reinvent the way they market travel to their cities to both business and leisure travel individuals who are looking for that. So interesting stuff all the way around today's daily download. So coming up, the Fort Finley Playhouse final show of the 2021-22 season is the Adams Family. And it opens next week. George Russmeyer and uh, Adam Wilford with us uh, from the uh, cast of the uh, of the show. And we were just talking a little bit before we went on the air uh, because that was uh, actually kind of my first uh, uh, first question. Is this the Adams family that, 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 um, that everybody knows? Yes and no. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I was in character. There you go. Uh, Lurch uh, with it. So these are the familiar characters, but not the same storyline it's not like this is ripped from the tv show correct uh the producers back what early 2000s that they thought about doing this they approached the family of charles adams who did the cartoon and, mm-hmm. and the family said uh do something original i mean more tr- based on the original characters as they were presented in the strip okay so which i i'm i'm guessing that there are probably some people who maybe have seen the show didn't realize that the show itself was based on Ah, good point. Good I mean, point. I, I would imagine, especially younger uh, folks, uh, of course, yes, that's may true. not realize. And the movie certainly left their impact. Right. So that's a variation of it. So it, yeah. it's really, it's kind of an interesting story. It's based on uh, a dynamic between Gomez and his daughter and his wife about uh, she's an, you know, a young adult and she's fallen in love. Okay. So uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, you know, storyline here uh, in the show. Yeah, so in uh, in this show, Wednesday's all grown up, and uh, story's really about uh, family and growing up. Um, you know, she's fallen in love, and what that looks like with the dynamic between her her dad and her mom, <laughs> and trying to uh, work all of that through, and then adding another element in where the families come together. So it's kind of like meeting the parents and. Uh, just uh, what's that like? I would imagine that uh, the uh, the other family is probably not as uh, <clears throat> eccentric as yes. the Adams family. Yes. Good, good point. Good point. <laughs> yes, they they are the normal family. So, so a bit of a culture shock there, I'm guessing. Yes, Most a little definitely. bit. And, we have a whole song about that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. This is a musical. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of great music. So that's uh, again a little bit different than maybe what uh, uh, folks will expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, I don't think anywhere in the music do they do the da 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 Yeah. <laughs> I know That's, in the Broadway version, I think they reference it at the, the beginning, but I think mm-hmm. so far what we've heard, I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. But, um, the vibe is very much, I think, in the spirit of, of, of the comedy element of it, but it's mm-hmm. interesting bringing a little bit of seriousness in, in the dynamic in between mm-hmm. uh, Gomez and his daughter and his wife and also between the families. Yeah. Uh, and I really love uh, the idea of kind of uh, fast forward uh, into the future. Mm-hmm. Again, if you've seen the TV show, you know the characters, you know, kind of transporting that a uh, little bit later on, uh, the kids all grown up kind of thing. So that's uh, that's got to be 
uh, fun. And again, even though it's not based on the show, it's not you know taken from from that. It's its own story. How much do you borrow from those characters when you bring them to life on the stage? Yeah, I mean, I think you'll still recognize those elements of the characters that carry over. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, they they have you know a little bit of their own uniqueness, and uh, so it's it's just really cool to like when I think of Gomez, and I think he, I just kind of get this sense of he's kind of like got this whimsy to him, and he's kind of silly. But then he also has serious moments in the show, like mm-hmm. with Wednesday, and yeah, uh, I just like the contrast, uh, yeah, to those things. Um, so and a lot of fun to uh, bring these characters uh, mm-hmm. to, and put your own spin on them, especially again, you think about you know in the modern day or who would these characters be, you know. No. Uh, Definitely. As the kids grow up and and, and so on, so uh, now is this a is this a family show? I mean, would you consider this a family show, or is this more no, for consider adults? it PG thirteen? There's PG thirteen. Uh, okay. There's little or no swearing, but there's definitely innuendo. Okay. And there's a moment in the second act where there's it there's a something that will shock you, uh, just that you aren't expecting. A particular sound. Uh, I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> okay. Uh, but All right. a, a couple people wrote into the Playhouse Facebook page asking this, a similar question. We right. had to kind of think about it and said, well, maybe not for little kids. Yeah, definitely PG 13. Okay. Think. So uh, something uh, with respect to that. And uh, tickets are on sale now. The opening is what, next Thursday? Is yes, that right? the 5th of uh, May. We run okay. three weekends 5th through the 8th, 12th through the 15th and 19th through the 22nd. And tickets are on sale now. How do folks get those? Three ways. Online anytime at tickets.fortfinleyplayhouse.org or call our box office at 567-525-3636 Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Or if you want to come in and see us in person, come on Mondays only from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at 300 West Sandusky Street. All right. Uh, and it's going to be a terrific show. As we mentioned, the last one of uh, of this season. Already looking toward next season? And- oh, definitely. I think they finally decided on uh, the shows they want to submit. So we'll be probably announcing that in the next uh, three or four weeks. Okay. But probably after the show ends. And the reason I bring that up is it's a great time to get involved. I mean, we all uh, mm. we always talk when we have the uh, folks mm. of the Four Finley Playhouse uh, in that uh, you're always looking for uh, new people or fresh blood, as it were, mm. uh, to <laughs> uh, keep with the Adams Family kind of theme here. No, but uh, new people, whether you're talking about on stage backstage whatever a lot of things that people can do yeah there's definitely a lot of different areas to get involved with and it's just so fun to you know come together with people that enjoy theater and meet new people and uh work together to to produce something so great and you always do a variety of shows Mm -hmm. so you know you don't you wouldn't be obligated to do every show. I mean, a lot of folks no, do, no, no, no. but uh, yep. you can, if you like musicals or don't like musicals or so on. I mean, not everything that you do is you know follows that same. Well, and of course, so. behind the scenes, it's not only stuff involved mm-hmm. directly with the show. We have plenty of committees uh, mm-hmm. that we we run to 
take care of the background stuff. Yeah. So no matter what interest you have, I think we can find a place for you. And, and it's just a matter of how much time you want to commit. So how does someone you know, get involved? Uh, again, right now, especially because we're closing out the one season and preparing for the next, what's the best way of... We have regular meetings okay. uh, twice a month. Uh, the first Wednesday of the month is the Board of Trustees meeting, but everyone is welcome. And on the th- Fourth Thursday, fourth Wednesday every month is a general membership meeting, and you become a general member by give, donating five dollars, and then that gives you a right to uh, vote at the end of the month for the new board of uh, trustees. And uh, you also hold uh, auditions for uh, various shows. That's yep. uh, always posted on the website yep. too, right? We're, we do it on Facebook. We do it on our FortFinleyPlayhouse.org, and also a little bit on Instagram. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I try to keep up with it, but it, it's... There are too many. There are so many to keep track of. don't up. talk to me about TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, uh, the Adams Family is uh, opening next week, and uh, tickets are on sale now. We've got a link up on our webpage if you want more information about that show and uh, to get your tickets. And, again, uh, more info if you want to become a part of the uh, crew, the cast and crew at the Fort Finley Playhouse moving forward. Always a, a great time. True community theater. Again, George Mushmeyer and Adam Wilford with us from the cast of The Adams Family. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank for you, Chris. Us. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. Of course, remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. Hope you'll check in with us tomorrow as we wrap up the week with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen and more. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.